A very good morning and good afternoon to everyone who's part of the International Association of Energy Economics uh, World. And I think it gives me absolutely uh, great pleasure to be sitting here with Professor Anna Crete from uh, the University of Paris Dauphine, uh, who has been chairing the session on energy access at the world level at the conference. And uh, I'm personally thrilled because it's a topic that I follow and uh, at the Florence School of Regulation. And so it's uh, exciting to see what she thinks of uh, the great uh, speakers that we had at the session. So I'm uh, going to be quickly asking you, Professor, a couple of questions uh, and uh, discuss a bit on how uh, we had some very interesting and strong opinions from uh, the speakers today. And I think our audience would definitely uh, like to go and dig in deeper uh, into some of these publications and probably uh, come up with some fabulous work afterwards. So I think I'll uh, first go uh, to what uh, Professor Federico from the University of Bocconi was talking about. Uh, he, he, he very uh, beautifully laid out the challenges of providing energy access, particularly in the case of Africa. And uh, he mentioned about uh, five to six key issues uh, that, that uh, he experienced while working through the Power Africa program there. And some of them were quite strong. And uh, I think he made a very interesting conclusion in the end, which he, where he says that politics and power are intertwined in Africa. And uh, thereby the decisions leading up to it is something that we all have to work through. So uh, uh, what are your thoughts on his uh, presentation and uh, what would be some of the key takeaways uh, that you uh, saw from his uh, talk? Well, um, thank you, Sweeta. Thank you for also the interest in, uh, in this uh, topic, which is uh, really multifaceted. And um, one of these aspects is to understand which is... Uh, the reality uh, in which we can address uh, the question of energy access. And as you were saying, Federico has shown that um, when you are uh, on the field and uh, when you have to, uh, to match uh, the needs of different countries, uh, they can be huge um, in terms of electric. Together with the perspective of the donors, um, this um, idea or this matching uh, is quite difficult because we have uh, uh, different needs that are confronted. On one side, the um, politicians or the government, uh, he has said, uh, they think in what? That is, they think in terms of uh, installed capacity. Uh, whereas we know as experts in electricity that what does it count is megawatt hours, so how much and uh, when we can provide this electricity. On the other side, uh, the donors, uh, uh, different foundations, uh, and also for instance Power Africa, um, they, um, they have in some sense I would say that there is no credit crunch. Um, there is uh, some uh, uh, very important interest and money that can be spent also to uh, close the gap of electrification, but they, they have very high uh, requirements. Um, stability, um, measurability, and also technical constraints that sometimes for this country are quite difficult uh, to organize. Um, so I, I think that there is this, uh, um, it's like uh, one goal that follows the other one and uh, that is why we have very uh, different situation uh, whereas we think uh, for instance uh, about uh, Nigeria or Senegal or, or the Ivorian coast. 
So a lot of heterogeneity, and this is something that has to be uh, really confronted with, in particular in sub-Saharan Africa. Thank you, Professor. I think, uh, yes, some of his uh, graphs and slides were uh, super interesting, uh, where he says there is no uh, clear option. But, uh, of course, the needs of the country may differ from uh, those of uh, the donors. So uh, that mixed match would be uh, something that we will have to keep working through. And I think uh, more uh, stakeholder engagement and uh, know-how of how to address this problem would sort of fast-track this process. But... Um, and going to the uh, second speaker, which is Professor Ariaga from MIT, he uh, spoke about how the issue of access originated in the distribution and uh, somehow that's also one of the uh, most neglected parts of uh, uh, the uh, solution uh, that we keep uh, looking at when we look at the energy access um, issues. So in terms of the finances that are flowing, I think least uh, money is flowing to the distribution sector, which is the clear cause. But uh, he was also talking about how uh, we can uh, we need to build a system uh, that is efficient if we need to provide energy access. So uh, he, he was talking about the juxtaposition of decision making when it comes to the classical grid or looking at off-grid solutions and how, uh, as practitioners, uh, we need to look at the uh, sort of the best, best um, uh, mix. So what would you say are the minimum ingredients needed to make this happen, Stephanie? Uh, yes, this is a very important question because I think that uh, um, most of uh, the researchers also uh, thinking of uh, energy access have a bias in the sense that um, perhaps the first idea in their mind is uh, the use of renewables and in particular solar electricity uh, in order to achieve uh, uh, rural electrification first and to improve the quality of the access in urban areas. Um, well, this is just uh, one coin of uh, the uh, <laughs> complex question we, we, or, or the medal that we, we, uh, we have to understand. So in, in um, uh, the initiative of solar panels, mini grids, uh, however complex they're or big they can be, um, it is just uh, one of the solutions. And uh, um, getting rid of the distribution grid is perhaps not uh, always uh, the answer. Um, th this bias comes from the fact that there is also this idea that um, electricity access has not been achieved uh, because the, we have to reform uh, the electricity sector first. Um, Professor Ariaga has made clear that even in that sense, we can observe a very different institutional arrangement from uh, vertically integrated national companies uh, to the case of countries that have introduced a different form of liberalization and therefore also different forms of contracting to get uh, electricity. Um, and as a consequence also, uh, a different penetration of uh, uh, foreign private capital. Um, so this is, um, I think, something that I really appreciate from the uh, point of view of the approach uh, that has been explained by Professor Ariaga is that he has shown that uh, there was um, a very interesting map that um, he was comparing uh, the um, electrification that we can reach if we only use uh, mini grids 
confronted or contrasted with the uh, degree of electrification that can be achieved by mixing um, the uh, off-grid together with investment in the distribution. And we will see that the granularity of the access is, of course, much bigger. Um, now the point is, uh, how do we reach uh, this balance between off-grid and on-grid? Um, so, Professor Ariaga has explained that um, he has a particular way to the design of the market structure uh, in order to address the electrification challenge. Um, and he has explained basically that we don't have to forget uh, the uh, uh, basic um, function of the distribution. Uh, to um, to achieve um, balanced uh, cost of the grid, uh, whereas uh, this may include some cross subsidy that, of course, uh, raises the question of equity. Um, this is something that sometimes it is opposed by the donors, but I think that if we want to uh, scale up the electricity access in some not neglect really the step of going through the overall chain from production to transportation and finally distribution. Yes. Uh, thank you, Professor. And I think his uh, integrated distribution framework uh, does uh, give us uh, the steps that one needs to take if they need to get this uh, balance. And uh, for those of you interested, you can check out uh, the publication from Professor Ariaga. Uh, then moving on to our other speaker, Professor Peters from RWI, I think uh, he made a very, very, very valid point today, which is uh, seldom uh, not overlooked, which is about evidence-based policy. And I think uh, he he couldn't iterate enough that we need to measure our impact. And uh, But the important question is, uh, where are we doing it right? And what was the history of evidence-based policy in the last decade or so? And how could we use this methodology to sort of help decision making uh, as policymakers in the countries? Because uh, what applies in uh, zone A need not necessarily apply in zone B. So then in, in this case, how as a practitioner would you take away the lessons learned uh, from uh, the kind of research which is much needed, but also complex when you want to just cut, copy, paste and apply? So what would be your uh, view uh, on this, Professor? Yes, I had the opportunity to discuss with Jörg different times this issue, but the reason why we decided to unfold the session in that way, that is starting from the end, um, uh, it is exactly to let uh, the people who is uh, uh, now uh, hearing this, uh, this uh, interview, um, is really to understand how it can be simple or unified, how we could even have just uh, one golden rule confronted with the complexity that we have um, somehow discovered through uh, uh, the um, uh, speech of uh, uh, Federico and Ignacio. So I'm not surprised that uh, in terms of the economic literature and this idea of measuring the impact of electrification in terms of uh, basic economics, I'm not surprised that the results are not always conclusive. Um, heterogeneity is the key point there, 
and the um, nevertheless the way in which uh, so far the literature has tried to address and to measure the impact of electrification is within the standard uh, techniques of uh, uh, i would say public policy um mm -hmm. that or development economics in the sense that we have uh, uh we can measure or the intention is to measure which is the welfare impact of an investment and uh, the idea either with using instrumental variables or making a difference in different models is that uh, you just uh, uh, take in and out this investment and you try to measure uh, whether something is going to change um, the problem with electricity is that electricity is not an investment per se, it's what electricity allows that is important. And uh, we have a, an array of uh, uh, impacts that go from uh, um, the, uh, I would say, just the welfare improvement of the population. That is, uh, if you can um, charge your phone and at the same time have your uh, um, radio on, of course, the economic impact is almost zero, but the welfare impact on population is important. And perhaps thanks to the fact that people was uh, um, using their uh, phones and listening the radio or the uh, uh, TV, they had also the possibility to be more resilient to COVID because they have applied some, uh, um, I don't know, uh, specific prevention measures. So. Of course, in uh, standard uh, public good uh, literature, the value of this is zero in the short-term perspective, but maybe is very high in the long-term perspective. On the other side, electricity is a gateway. So it allows to, for instance, improve the production process uh, of many sectors, uh, but still we lack uh, this kind of studies. Uh, most of the existing studies are through households, even if they are quite complex. They use uh, most recently, as it was uh, explained also in the plenary session by Professor Miguel, they use uh, randomized controls experiments. But this is just again, just one dimension of what electricity access can provide. So, um, to be optimistic, even if the literature uh, uh, has not come up yet with a unified framework, I think that we still need uh, more research um, in order to really understand which is the trajectory uh, that uh, uh, electrification implies. And uh, also something that was uh, uh, sometime evoked by Federico, um, also, uh, we have to um, remind that this electricity access has to be clean. Um, so this is another dimension that we have to stress. I think it is very important in terms of also satisfying the uh, um, development goals that we have, well, in particular in Sub-Saharan Africa. Oh, perfect, Professor. I think you uh, said it that electricity is definitely the gateway and the stepping stone to addressing uh, all the other development goals that we have. So in, in conclusion, if there is one key message you would like to give our audience, then what would that be from the session? 
Um, I think that um, I would like to invite the audience to compare and to read uh, the uh, a couple of papers. Uh, so the milestone have been given by Jörg, uh, the, the the paper that he, uh, he has cited as fundamental, they that back to um, almost 10 years ago, uh, and to compare with the uh, um, progress that have been made and that are documented, for instance, in the publication of uh, IRENA. And uh, we can see that even if the progress is very gradual, still there is a, a lot of attention and a lot more of comprehension of what is going on compared to what we had 10 years ago. And uh, I look forward to what we could say in 10 years now about electricity access. Definitely, Professor. I think as a fellow practitioner, I can't wait to get to 2030 because we skipped 2020 in our pandemic. And hopefully then we would have a much stronger uh, game plan and having achieved some real targets. So uh, definitely look forward to following this journey with you over the next uh, decade. And thank you so much for this uh, interview and see you in the other sessions of the conference. Thank you. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you, Sweden.